Hi guys, welcome back to the Beauty Buzz. On this episode, I have Aoife Harvey. Aoife is a women's pelvic health specialist physio and she is absolutely amazing. On this episode, we talk about constipation, we talk about vaginas, looking after your vagina and all things post-childbirth. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did because it is so informative. Enjoy listening and chat to you soon. Aoife, welcome. I am so happy to have you on as a guest. Um, so Eva is a female health specialist, physio, um, and we are here today to talk about vaginas and constipation, two topics that I think a lot of people need to know about. So Eva, what do you see most in your clinic? So, oh, thanks, Debbie. I am a women's health physio, mm-hmm. or they're called pelvic health physios, mm-hmm. just in case someone's looking for one in their area. And what we treat is the pelvic floor muscles. So they are the muscles and the base of your pelvis. Mm-hmm. And the things they're really important for are emptying your bladder, or try not to empty your bladder in terms of leakage, your vaginal health, and your back passage. So mm-hmm. empty the bowels. Yeah. So I would treat a broad spectrum of symptoms just based on your pelvic floor being either constipation Mm -hmm. and less common but some women would have fecal incontinence so they can't hold in their poos Um, we treat the vagina particularly after birth Mm -hmm. Um, but also women might come to me years and years after they've had their babies or in menopause because things are changing so it doesn't have to be like only I've had my baby and that's the only time we see Aoife it's all ages the other thing we see the vagina for which a lot of women listening might experience this and it's never talked about is painful sex. Yeah. So especially in younger women and mm-hmm. I would treat women even in their 30s and 40s who have never had sex before Okay. because sex is too painful for, to, for them. So we call it dyspareunia is the medical term but mm. we can really help with that. And then we move to the third hole, which is the bladder. And some of our patients will have bladder leaks, like when they mm-hmm. do jumping jacks or cough or sneeze, or they might have urgency of the bladder where like they're always bursting to go to the loo and mm-hmm. everywhere they go, they need to know where the toilet is and they struggle to make it in from the car. And people will joke about these things. Oh, I have a nervous bladder, yeah. you know, but it's definitely a thing. So the bladder, the bowel, the vagina, there are three areas of expertise. Okay. And then with that, I'll touch on the bladder first, okay? Because in the skin boutique, we have the Amsella chair. Ah. Okay. So I love it, but I do think that like people come in maybe with a prolapse thinking that it's going to fix that and it doesn't do that. So where, as an expert, where does your kind of opinion lie with the Amsella chair and other devices like that? Okay. So we know that pelvic floor exercises are the first thing you should do if you have a bladder problem, mm-hmm. right? And I would love to say pelvic floor exercises will fix every woman, but unfortunately they don't. So a bit like if someone has a really sore back and they go to physio, Mm -hmm. we will try and cure them of their back pain, but some will need surgery or some will need an injection, Mm -hmm. you know? So the same with your pelvic floor. If you've bladder leaks, the first thing you do is pelvic floor exercises. Mm If that doesn't work, there are other things we can try. Mm-hmm. Right? We're trying to keep it simple. So what is the Amsella chair? You sit on it and it basically makes your pelvic floor contract thousands of times. Yeah. Okay. And from the data we have, like we have a few research studies, but not like loads yeah. compared to pelvic floor mm. exercises because it's a newer thing. Mm. But from the research, it does do that. And I've tried it myself. Like it yeah. really does strengthen the muscles. Mm. So that means for about one in three 
women, it may cure them. Mm-hmm. 50% they may feel better but not cured. But there's 50% who may just feel like this didn't work at all, yeah. you know. And that's because the science behind bladder leaks, it's just not as simple as you have a weak muscle, do those squeezes and everything will get better. Yeah. So for some women, it's that simple. For mm-hmm. some, it's not. So we do like as physios, I think some people think we don't like the MSALA. I just feel like it's a good idea to get an assessment first, yeah. you know, yeah, to kind of say, oh, do I have a weak pelvic floor? Yeah. Like, do you think this machine would help me? Mm-hmm. So if someone comes into my clinic and I'm like, your pelvic floor is so weak. So your options are do your exercises every day, even though they're boring, but mm-hmm. do them. And that's the problem. People don't do them. <laughs> um or you could get a little device like a trainer that you order off the internet and it goes mm-hmm. in there and it stimulates it and it has a little app and everything. And there's lots of those different trainers mm-hmm. on the market. Or yeah, if you have the finances, go and sit on the MSELA mm-hmm. for six sessions. That will do the job, mm-hmm. you know. But I just like, I suppose, in the medical field, we assess to know, like, will that work for you, yeah. you know. And I, I, th- I think that as well, because I the last thing you want is someone coming in and you think that they're going to fix the problem and then they don't, you know. So I yeah. think definitely getting an assessment of you mm-hmm. is definitely the way to go. Yeah. Um, But with them, um, with prolapse yeah. as well, because that's a massive thing. And I had a couple of people being really interested about prolapse women and stuff on um Instagram. So I said I'd, I'd ask about it and kind of touch on the topic yeah. with you. So the stats tell us that around 50% of women will have prolapse, which mm-hmm. is huge, right? Yeah. And, and the risk factors, your genetics is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. So you just can't fight your genes and no. you just don't know, right? I always say to women, it's the way, like the way you labor, you know, mm. or even the way you carry your pregnancy, like women who get stretch marks, it's all genetics, yeah. you know? So you can buy the fancy creams and then, sorry if you're selling the fancy cream to everybody. <laughs> no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no, no. I think the exact same with stretch marks. You, yeah. either, you either, it's to do with your elasticity, you either yeah. get them or you don't get them. So the exact same thing in the vaginal wall. Mm-hmm. It's elasticity. Okay. And that's to do with your genes, the way your collagen is, how mm-hmm. stretch you are in your body. Mm-hmm. So vaginal delivery is of course a risk factor because yeah. what's going to stretch your vagina like anything like a baby <laughs> coming out? It's okay. One, two, three, four. And the size of the baby, mm. there's some relationship to the size of the baby, but okay. some people have really small babies and mm. they still have one. And um, instruments being used are a risk factor, particularly forceps. Mm-hmm. So very hard, like if you're in the middle of pushing your baby out and they say, oh gosh, we're going to need to get this baby out fast, their heart rate's dropping, you're going to say, yeah, use whatever you need to. You know, it's a hard time to give informed consent, yeah, I think. definitely. But um, the forceps will go in and they just have to kind of open the area to pull baby. So any stretching that's mm. happening, which is our births. Yeah. So that's when a lot of women will have prolapse. And it could be just a mild, like they're staged from one to four. So younger women would be a stage one or two mm. where the prolapse isn't coming out of the vagina, yeah. right? Um, and they may never know they even have a Debbie. Like mm-hmm. they could have a bladder leak and it could be to do with a type of prolapse, but they don't know because they just think, oh, it's my muscles, yeah. right? Um, they could have a uterus prolapse and this symptom of that would be more a little bit of back pain when they're standing for long mm-hmm. periods. That doesn't mean everyone with back pain has prolapse. Yeah, I know. Everyone's like, oh my God, I have prolapse. (laughs) But I suppose like if you see a regular physio or get an MRI, they're not looking for the womb. So as a woman's health physio, someone comes into your back pain, I'm like, I better check the uterus, you know, whereas someone else is not going to think about that. But if that's more a dull, low ache, down low when you're standing for long periods, Mm -hmm. you might also feel it during sex. You just Mm -hmm. might feel like the penis kind of bangs off the cervix a little bit easier. Like it's a bit more uncomfortable. I would say it feels like a bit of a winding in the Mm -hmm. Me, you know, um, and that may be like that didn't happen before my babies, and now it happens, you yeah. know. Um, and then you can have the back wall of the vagina, which is the rectocele. Mm-hmm. And all that's happening with any of these, the use is a bit different because it kind of just is 
hanging down a little bit. It's like the ligaments, the strings that held it up in your body aren't mm-hmm. as tight, so they kind of let it lower. But the front and the back wall was the bladder and the rectum. That's more that elasticity thing. So it's like the vaginal wall used to be really strong. Yeah. And even if anything pushed into it, it just wouldn't move. Mm. And now it kind of gives way. So it's that elasticity. There's a laxity there. Yeah. Right? So with the rectum, you know, I always say it's a really bad design. Mm-hmm. Right? If you think about the three holes in a woman and mm. you think of them in like a terrace houses, right? They're all attached to each other. The middle house is the vagina. Once that baby breaks through, you're going to affect the neighbours. Yeah, yeah. you know? <laughs> so unfortunately for like women, like why do we have to put up with this? Like unfortunately where we birth is yeah. exactly where our bladder and our bowel is, mm. you know? So that's why 50% of women after they've had babies will have some kind of pelvic floor dysfunction, yeah. even if it doesn't last forever. Mm. But in the early weeks, and we're like, yeah, the reason this is happening to you is because your vagina is in the middle of the two. So yeah. if your vagina is injured, yeah. you know? Everything else is gone. Yeah. Well, not gone. <laughs> <laughs> Struggling a little bit, yeah, maybe for yeah. the short term. Yeah. Um, but with the back wall, right? Because we're going to talk a bit about constipation. Mm-hmm. If you have a rectocele prolapse, again, it's like the back wall caves in a bit. So when poo's coming down the rectum, which mm-hmm. is the little pipe that exits the body as the poo comes down it could get stuck in that little pocket Mm -hmm. so women might say to me I feel this heaviness like this kind of lump like a ball you know and I'm like are you constipated yes Mm -hmm. and do you strain on the loo well I try not to but I have to sometimes straining I always say is like mini childbirths it's not as bad as childbirth but it's mini ones so if you have loads of straining throughout your life mm-hmm. that is a risk of prolapse because yeah. you're pushing down mm-hmm. right trying to get that poo out yeah. okay but if that little pocket's there and not everyone with constipation has this rectocele prolapse again but if you have the rectocele the poo is sitting in the pocket so your brain's like I feel it there but I can't get it out yeah. you know so one little tip we have and people are always like this is disgusting and I'm like it's your vagina it's okay to touch it okay <laughs> you can put your thumb just into the entrance of the vagina to the back wall and just push back towards the tailbone. Mm -hmm. And that'll, we call it splinting. That'll kind of push the poop back towards the hole it's trying to exit. Yeah. But the other thing is obviously, Debbie, for constipation is lots of fiber, Mm -hmm. plenty of water. Now just 1.5 to 2 liters a day unless you're exercising. You don't need to go crazy Mm -hmm. on the water, right? But lots of fiber, our fruits, our veg, our fruits with the skin. So our kiwis. Yes. If anyone (laughs) follows you on Instagram, the kiwis is a big thing. And you know what? I have tried it myself. It really works. It works. Yeah. Like I have been a long time sufferer of constipation. And obviously, like what you're just after chatting about, after having L, you know, things went a bit wild. And when I found Eva, I was like, kiwis, pears, magnesium, they're like the trio yeah. of... It's a holy grail. Yeah. <laughs> and keep your skins on the kiwis, mm. right? So I've converted a lot of people. I know it's like, oh, yeah. right? But actually, if you chop them up, I would say it's like salami where you just have the little string around mm. the side. So I lash in the pears of the skin on. Raspberries are really high fiber. I put natural yogurt because it's good for the old microbiome. Mm-hmm. And then my chia seed flaxseed. And that's my breakfast every morning. Mm-hmm. And it's just a bowl of fiber. So even if things go wrong throughout the day, you know, yeah. now we could be trying to get a bit more protein in maybe with our uh, Greek yogurts and stuff. But Definitely starting your day with loads of fiber. Um, and fiber just gets your poos in a better consistency. Mm-hmm. You know, we need a bit of roughage from the skins and our veg give us that. But our fruit is really high water content and it doesn't kind of get hard in our body. It kind of slides through the body really mm-hmm. easily. So then when our poos get to the end point, they're nice and soft and they're good water content and they should just slide out in minutes. You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to be sitting on the loo for 20 minutes. No, God, I know no, the we're, dads, not, we're not. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was just thinking of my husband immediately. I was like, why does he play so long? 
along in the bathroom. He's on the phone. Yeah, he's totally on the phone. <laughs> totally, 100%. And they are saying that sitting on the phone too long on the loo can give you hemorrhoids and yeah. it's just the sitting there for too long mm. like with your bum in that toilet seat with the pressure on the back passage. Mm-hmm. Um, also, my little magic stick, Debbie, is my yes. microlax. Yeah. Over the counter, if you have a hard poo in your bum, right, Mm -hmm. and it's sore and you don't want to let it out or you're trying to push it out, again, you're straining on your pelvic floor. Mm -hmm. So Microlax is over the counter in pharmacies and it's a little glycerin suppository. Like Mm -hmm. it's not even really a medicine, you know. Yeah, yeah. You squeeze up the back passage, it softens the poop and Mm -hmm. within about five minutes your poop will come out of your body way easier. It's it's actually even great for kids as well, yeah. you know, as long as they consent to. <laughs> yeah, scared, but, um, but it's it's it, like it works instantly and it's not the same as like taking something that makes the bowel lazy mm-hmm. or gives you cramps or diarrhea or anything, yeah. you know. But going on the urge, when you feel like you need a poo, as moms, we're mm-hmm. always like, look, I can need one now and be like, crap, I'm doing a podcast. Yeah, go. I know. <laughs> and here, or, you're, or you're with someone, you're in work, you, you know, you're yeah. dealing with people yeah. and you you can't go no. on demand. No. Like, no. But like, you think like it's human rights to mm. be able to do a poo when you need one, yeah. wouldn't you? I know. But when, I suppose the science behind that is when your bowel gives a little squeeze, and it tells your brain, like, I need a poo, right? Mm-hmm. That's where the squeeze comes from. So then the poo comes down into the little pipe. And if you don't evacuate, the poo just sits there and it kind of gets dry and hard. And your brain actually doesn't feel it anymore. Mm. So it's not like you, an hour later you could go, oh, I, I forgot I needed a poo earlier. Yeah. So unlike your bladder, you can't just sit there and then make it happen. So it's it's like you've lost the squeeze now. Mm. You know, you've missed your opportunity. So that's where the microlax is deadly. Mm-hmm. Now, not to be taken every single day, but you know, when from time to time you get a bit stuck, yeah. you know, but trying to go when you feel like you need the poop, because if you go on the urge, you'll sit on the loo and within like three minutes or five minutes, that poop should just be out. And we're looking for that lovely, full evacuation. So no repetitive wiping. Mm-hmm. That's a sign there's poo left behind you to keep wiping. Mm-hmm. And some women might go for a wee later wipe and go oh there's a bit of poo there where did that yeah. come from Yeah, because you didn't fully empty mm. earlier so that's why we love our type 4 stools right stool means you're obsessed <laughs> <laughs> because they're they're soft they come out in one go so I had a reel like a train on the tracks the first bit of the poo is going to pull the rest with it mm-hmm. so if you let get little blobs coming out you're going to leave some left mm-hmm. whereas if you get that lovely soft poo I mean there's going to be people cutting off now because I don't <laughs> want to hear this but everyone needs to know this you want the whole poo to come out at once and then when you wipe it's really clean on the toilet the ghost wipe yeah. right or really clean on the paper and you should I said this to a woman the other day you should be looking at your paper and mm-hmm. you should be looking in the toilet so when I ask what type of poo do you have and I show people my chart and mm. they don't know I'm like you should be looking like what if there's blood in your poo yeah, you know exactly, yeah. what if your poo has gone a weird colour it's mm. blacker so we should be kind of just having a little look does that all look good is the paper nice and clean mm-hmm. like how are you going to know you're finished wiping if you're not looking yeah. but even for signs of weird mucus or discharge we should always be checking our paper mm. so with that is my always front to back wipe I know it seems obvious <laughs> and I got a lot of backlash on Instagram I was like you have to reach around you know you have yeah. to bend forward and bring your hand from the back and people are like I can't do that with my shoulder yeah. so I just do it between my legs and drop it I'm like but then how do you know you're finished wiping and how yeah. do you know what's on the toilet paper you know yeah. so it is really important we're inspecting the poops mm. and the paper do you find with women that as a whole, like not all women, but it's nearly like an embarrassment with like poos and vagina or like even passing wind. It's like, oh God, no, women don't do that. Do you know what? Like why? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like everybody poos, everybody yeah. wheezes, yeah. everybody farts, mm. you know. Um, definitely women, I think 
I don't want to say it, maybe it's not as much anymore, but like little girls, like people would say, I have a girl and a boy, but little girls, people would say, oh, if a boy was constantly playing with his willy, no one passes any heat. Yeah. And if a girl has her hand in her pants, they're like, don't do oh, that. Oh yeah, Get no, it is. Out, yeah, you know? it's very much, yeah. So I think it's really important for our kids. Like mm-hmm. I have taught my son the word vulva. Yeah. I have taught my son the word vagina from when she was born. He was three and he's like, where's her willy, mom? Yeah. And I said, no, she doesn't have one. She has a vagina. Yeah. And like now he's learning to read and they're learning all the phonics and he's like, the, the <laughs> vagina. And I'm like, say that's your teacher. There's nothing wrong with that word. Yeah. And I'm like, actually, the more kids hear vulva, mm. right? That if he says that he laughs, I don't laugh. I just don't react. Yeah. Like if I said elbow, he wouldn't laugh. Yeah, So exactly. the more we use these words, mm. and unfortunately on Instagram, the bots think like I'm promoting porn or something. Yeah, because when I use vulva and vagina, they shadow ban me. But I'm like, I get it. You're a robot. You think I'm trying to put something out there that's explicit yeah. content. Mm-hmm. But it's full education. So the more we use these words in day-to-day life, mm. like we wouldn't shirk at penis, willy. No, they're not day- dirty words. Yeah. Like dirty words. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know, men maybe in a good way I'm not saying all men are less self-conscious of their mm. bodies yeah. when they're younger they're way more like you know having group showers after the sports mm. and like they'll see each other having wheeze and they probably have a look I don't know we'd yeah. be like lock the door you know <laughs> yeah. so I, I think as women we are very much like no this is private these are my privates yeah. you know yeah so uh, there's nothing wrong with them being your privates but we definitely should know more about them mm. and not be ashamed of anything no. you know um, another, I remember someone wrote in on Instagram to me and they were just saying about the kind of the stigma around and the feeling of feeling loose. Mm. And I said, that's that's a good topic to bring up mm. with you because especially after having a child, there's like an obsession with like, you know, tight vaginas and feeling tight and whatever else. Um, like when someone feels loose, like what, what exactly is that, you know? That is... Like the prolapse thing again, mm-hmm. and it may not be a prolapse, but what we're talking about is the vaginal wall laxity, mm-hmm. right? So it is a thing, mm-hmm. and it is that again, these ligaments, it's like the collagen in your skin, they have been stretched, and it just doesn't feel like the tightness it was mm-hmm. before. And I would love to tell you there's a magic bullet to fix that, okay? <laughs> like, this is actually not good news. But I, what I do want to educate everyone on is your actual vagina, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone thinks, Debbie, it's a tunnel. It's a really tight tunnel, Mm. okay? And it is not. So actually the opening, so the first like three or four centimetres, maybe five in some women, is quite tight tunnel like but then it opens up so it's more like a funnel so yeah. you know like the, the start of a funnel is this really st- like really small tube and mm-hmm. then it opens up really wide that is what's like in a woman's vagina so mm-hmm. once I get my finger in past the first part I can move over to the sides right yeah. there's low it can be five six centimeters across mm-hmm. right there's loads of room so it's all about the entrance right mm-hmm. so I'm going to be really frank with everyone for the man and the woman that's the part that matters yeah okay so for the man, he's going to feel, and I was talking to another podcast, Laura, about this, and she mm-hmm. was like, what? <laughs> as much as she loves vagina, like, I never knew that. <laughs> um, so when, I, I'm going to do this for the camera. <laughs> I'm doing the finger in the hole, okay, for those listening. But when a penis goes in, they will feel the tension mm-hmm. around that opening point, And that's where they'll feel compression, yeah. okay? So for a man, that's where he's going to feel the tension on his penis, right? Mm-hmm. Not in deeper. Yeah. But the same for a woman. Inside your vagina, you don't really have the same nerves. Like, I can be poking around in there and people wouldn't really feel it the same. Yeah, yeah. It's all about that opening mm. point. That's the part that you have your nerve sensation. Mm-hmm. So, for some women after they've had babies, 
if that opening part is disrupted and it's much wider than it yeah. used to be, she doesn't feel the same sensation mm-hmm. and he might not feel the same sensation. I would urge every woman never to ask their partner. <laughs> no, like God, even no. People say, no, I want to know. And he was honest. I feel like if no. my partner said that, I could never get out of my head for the rest of my yeah, life. Yeah, no. You know what yeah. I mean? And I did do a live on my Instagram about vaginoplasty. Like there mm. is surgeries mm-hmm. that people get it closed over more. Mm-hmm. For some women and a very small minority, they'll have lost kind of the nerves there from their childbirths. Mm. And even if you close it over, it could feel better for him, but she may not feel it's any difference, Mm -hmm. you know? And I don't want to joke, but I'm just like, go for the clitoris. Just focus on the clitoris (laughs) for the rest of your life, you know? Um, But unfortunately, for a really small number of women, like sex is never the same again, you know? But some people, Debbie, tell me on my Instagram that they feel better after. So Mm. like they orgasm better after they've Mm -hmm. had babies and sex has never been as good. And they might be the woman who had painful sex all along, you know, that never enjoyed it. Everything was too tight and Mm. she it always hurt her. And now she's had the baby, it's opened it. It's like, oh my God, like sex is way better for me. And I'm like, go you, you know? So it it isn't bad news for everyone, but just being honest for the people who it is impacting. And those women need to teach their husbands where their clitoris is. Yeah. Or get a vibrator. Yeah, do both. <laughs> yeah, like it's just, yeah, do you know what? And so, okay, so well, we've obviously actually been talking about vaginal births, mm. okay? So would you be more pro-section? I'll throw this out there. <laughs> just say, come on. Because <laughs> I know this is this is a big question and everyone always asks after you have a child, oh, did you have a natural birth or did you have a C-section? Do you know? Go on. <laughs> it's a very public platform though, Debbie. Um <laughs> I wouldn't be against C-sections. No. What I would say is a C-section at the time of the delivery is mm-hmm. a much bigger ordeal. So there's probably much ris- bigger risk to the mom and the baby in yeah, those yeah, moments because yeah. it's a surgery. surgery. yeah. But the maternal outcomes after mm-hmm. C-section are better. So mm-hmm. the longer term outcomes, mm-hmm. right? And that is the truth, mm-hmm. right? So if a woman came in to me and said, my mom has really bad prolapse. My sister had really bad prolapse. Like, how do I avoid it? Mm-hmm. I say like, well, the only way to avoid it or significantly reduce your risk is having a section, mm-hmm. you know? So we do know that from data. Yeah, It is not, I suppose, the reason in hospitals they pick, they're always trying to keep the C-section rates low, as low as possible. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like we have to just do what's right for the woman. So I yeah. do think, and this doesn't happen, there is ways of predicting who's more likely to get a prolapse. Yeah. So, in an ideal world, I'm not going to get into so much trouble for all this. Our health system can't do this. But like in an ideal world, if someone went in and said, look, it runs in my family, of this kind of stretchy tissue, mm-hmm. you know, we have kind of predicting variables. I've had chronic constipation. I already have a bit of mild laxity. Mm-hmm. They are more likely to get prolapse. Yeah. And I did again on my Instagram poll women and say, like, if you knew you were going to have a prolapse, mm-hmm. would you have chosen a C-section? Mm-hmm. And 85% said yes. Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah. So I think women of C-section feel like they're really judged, you yeah. know? And then I I was C-section awareness month, so I did this whole thing and I'd say like, these are the stats in our hospitals, but why do we care about the stats? The HSE, of course, well, there's loads of reasons they do, but as a female physio and an mm-hmm. advocate for women's health, I'm like, I actually don't care about the C-section stats. I care about the outcomes of yeah. the mom. But I think we work in different areas in that I'm not in obstetrics and when women are pregnant there's only so much we can do to help them with symptoms. Mm-hmm. I'm the after the baby person. Yeah. You know? And you, there's more of you needed in the world. Like everyone needs to go see you because 
um, a client of mine is a GP and I never even heard of a female health physio before. And I just explained a few things to her. My own GP, you know, kind of brushed on things. And because obviously we were having the chats as well, do you know. Um, and she said, no, my God, no, you need to go to a physio. Do you know what I mean? Just to, And it, I was fine. Yeah. Absolutely fine. Yeah. Just, you know, you know, those feelings after having yeah. a baby and you just, you feel a bit empty and weird and, you know, but in time it does. It's like anything. It's, it just goes into healing mode and it. Yeah. For for a lot of people and for some people not, but like there's women that end up coming to me 10 years after their mm. baby saying, do you know what? Like I've three kids. I've just been so busy. Now's the time to prioritize yeah. myself. So I'm so sorry if it's taken me this long. I'm like, don't apologize to me mm. at all. But it's just like, it's hard sometimes with really small kids to put yourself first. Oh, of course. But I do think... And it is getting better. Like all women after baby should have an exam, you know, mm. and we all get a six week check. And, and in a lot of cases, it'd be quite brief. There are postnatal clinics being set up around the country. Mm-hmm. There is a shift happening, but I just hope they can cater because like I work in HSE and public, private. It's it's not the staff. It's not like the nurses, the doctors, the physios. It's just the service and the yeah. capabilities mm. and the space in hospitals and, you know, the funding that actually they try to do so much for women, but mm. like, can we always cater for everyone? So I would love if every woman who had a baby, no matter what the mode of delivery was, even in the first six months after birth, get just a general checkup. And like, I say this all the time. I used to be a regular physio, like someone who has a knee problem or shoulder mm-hmm. and they have a little keyhole surgery, they get way more follow-up and protocols than women after babies, yeah. which is mental. It's quite of, bad in this know, country. It is quite bad. What goes through, your body goes through. Mm. Now, France is there's a few countries in Europe who are absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. They've 10 sessions of physio. It's all part of it. But they're in the minority. So it's yeah. not just Ireland, like yeah. the UK. I, I, like I had a girl on the phone to me from New York the other week. So like it's not just Ireland to mm-hmm. badmouth them. Yeah, no. It's just the lack of service. And I suppose they're thinking, oh, there's no problem to treat. But that woman is discharged from the hospital. Mm-hmm. No one knows what's happening. And mm-hmm. she could be six months postpartum before she tries to run and goes, oh my God, I'm leaky. What the hell? Yeah. You know? So I just think women, is, we're, we're birthing the future presidents. You know what I mean? <laughs> And the future tech moguls. Yeah. And like, we're putting our body through all of that. The least we could do is have like just a proper check. How am I? Is it okay if I get back to sport? Mm. Is there anything I have to be careful of? Is there, is there any diagnosis? Or if they're having pain with sex after they've had their mm-hmm. baby, which can happen with scar tissue, just that we look after them a little bit better. Yeah. And another thing following another woman's problem menopause so like if you have like what do you do with patients that come into you that have issues and they only notice it kind of when they, they're entering into the menopause what would be kind of your main concern that you'd see from them um broad spectrum again so it could be leaking for the first time mm-hmm. or it could be like i had mild leaking after the baby but now mm-hmm. it's worse you yeah. know so it could be like i put up with this for years but now all of a sudden it's way worse yeah. you know painful sex is a big thing mm-hmm. um, constipation because mm-hmm. we were talking about it earlier but hormones really impact so for, for me definitely that fourth week of my cycle even if I've been eating all the right stuff mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm constipated, you yeah. know, so I'm doing all my fiber, my magnesium before I go to bed at night and then three days I'll be constipated mm-hmm. and that is that drop of estrogen. Yeah. So poor old ladies, they get through the babies, <laughs> they're like taking charge of their life yeah. and then bam. Yeah. <laughs> now, menopause will only really, really impact around 50% of women. So mm-hmm. it's not all bad, but like I think all women will be touched by it. So even yeah. if it's their bowels, Debbie, it mm-hmm. just might, might not be in their radar or yeah. like they gained weight. They might mm-hmm. not like be hot flushes and stuff, but they just might be like, oh, this has changed, you know? So what's the cause of any change in, in menopause is estrogen, mm. you know? So the answer 
is estrogen, yeah. right? And there's my second favorite stick in the world is the blue stick the of Badgie Femme. <laughs> no, Badgie <laughs> Femme. So one up the bum is the microlax yeah. and then up the vagina is our vaginal estrogen. Mm-hmm. And it is a little, really local estrogen. And what it does is honestly brings your vagina back to life. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to go into gory details post-menopause, what happens, but 80% of women will have some vaginal bladder problems yeah. when they're in menopause, mm-hmm. right? So that's a huge number. We give the vagina back a bit of estrogen. It absorbs in as you sleep at night and that goes into the bladder. So it can help with bladder urgency, waking up at night to use the toilet, even helping bladder leaks a little bit, especially if the woman says, my leaks have gotten worse now I'm in menopause. I'm mm. like, well, the change is estrogen. Give it back a bit of estrogen. Can we get you back to the way you were before the menopause? Yeah. Um, and local vagina estrogen is just brilliant for sex. Mm-hmm. So increases the lubrication so women will get much drier Mm -hmm. and younger women can get dry too especially if they're on certain contraceptions that are stopping them ovulate Mm -hmm. you know Um, but you put in the little tablet it improves lubrication it can improve sensation improves the blood flow down there and it just makes sex comfortable and pain free again as it should be you know so I love Vagivem I wish it was over the counter me and Laura are going to lobby the government one yeah, day for that one. really, you it's, should. And it's so safe. So for the most part, even women who've had breast cancer mm. are allowed to take it, even okay. if they're not allowed to take HRT. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Because it really stays just local. It's yeah. not going to go up and help your mood or your mm. sleep or anything like yeah. that, you know? Mm. Yeah, because um, Viagra and stuff, you know, that's readily available yeah. everywhere. Yeah, so. and it has heart uh, risks too, yeah. which Viagra. So mm. it, all we need is obviously pharmacists who are so skilled, yeah. you know, and health systems are under pressure constantly. Mm-hmm. We need to, like, give more, I think, um, more kind of, um, what's the authority um, to people who are in jobs who are really well-trained and really high-skilled. So mm-hmm. pharmacists, to me, know more about medicines nearly than the doctors because they know how they interact. They're the yeah. expert on medicine. Mm-hmm. So if you would go into your pharmacist and the first time you were getting the Vagifem being screened and mm-hmm. asked a few questions and if you didn't, you know, if there was a few grey areas back yeah. to consult with the doctor. Mm. But it, it's really safe. I don't see well, why. I hope, I hope that yeah. kind we'll of comes it all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think of a good slogan. With the, with, with the vulva <laughs> costume. <laughs> Oh, the costume. You have to go on to the Instagram and have a look, seriously. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> well, no one sees me because they keep shadow banning me, but I will keep going. <laughs> Speaking of which, Debbie, just to say, the vulva, for everyone listening, is the outer part, mm-hmm. okay? Because everyone gets confused in this, right? Yeah. If you want to call them the lap, the, the lips, the flaps, yeah. whatever wants to call them, they are the labia. That is your vulva. Your mm-hmm. clitoris is your vulva. Anything outside your vagina, your vagina is that hole and everything that goes inside. Mm-hmm. You know, not everything that goes inside, but the, the, the <laughs> tissue inside your body. Whatever else goes in is a foreign object. Um, but no, so like we really, again, need to know this is my vulva. Women should be looking at them. Mm. Vulva cancers is a thing. Mm-hmm. Some women get skin conditions like yeah. eczema. Mm. Like if, if people have painful sex and they come to me, even young girls, and I'm like, do you have any eczema or psoriasis? Yeah, I do. Mm. It's most likely that's what's causing them pain down there, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, but they'll kind of just persisting with pain and don't want to get it checked because mm. they're shy and they don't want to show their doctor or, you know? Yeah, like, and it's actually uh, on that topic, um, different types of vulvas because I, even from... Um, you know, chatting to women all the time. Everyone seems to be really, really embarrassed and no one has a perfect vulva. Mm. Like they come in all different shapes and sizes. Mm. Like you see them all the time. Mm. Like are any, any two the same? No. 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 And it's, so it's just like boobs, I suppose. I don't know if it's the pornography work because I don't watch porn, right? Yeah. And I don't know how many women do. Like we'd have to poll that one. Yeah. But um, 
I suppose some women think they should be really neat, like the yeah. lips should be small mm. and tight up. All tucked in. Yeah, and then the inside <laughs> lips, which is the labia minora, should be inside the outside lips. Mm-hmm. But a lot of women, their inner lips are longer than their outer. Yeah. You know, so I don't know if it's 50-50 or 40-60, mm. but it's not like, a oh, one in a thousand yeah. have the, the inner outer, um, inner longer than the outer ones. It's really common. So women who have that are really embarrassed about that, mm. think, oh my God, I'm weird. But again, because we're not going to the loo in urinals going what's her vulva yeah. look like like what's your reference point you know I'm yeah. like he's do- like women don't know anything about down there so how do they know what's normal yeah. again they might have just seen one shot of a model or something yeah. and went oh my god that's what my vulva should look like yeah. you know so everyone has different ones and as we age they change mm. so labiectomies or whatever they're called um, like a lot of women now are going to have cosmetic surgery of their labia and mm-hmm. as we age some women's will shrink up and some will drop down because again, it's that collagen that yeah. they kind of like, you're like that laxity that everything just goes against gravity, like mm. the boobs. My thought on that is do what you want, right? Yeah, yeah, like exactly. If I, I want to get a tummy tuck or my boobs done in 10 years, like yeah. I will. Yeah. So, but I'm, I'm not saying I it's on my radar. Mm. But it, like if a woman said to me, I hate my labia, like it just makes me not confident, mm-hmm. I don't enjoy sex or I'm divorced and I want to get back out there, but this mm. is the part of me. I'm like, you do you, you know? Yeah. But I just want them to know there's no such thing as normal. So it's yeah. not not normal. But if you hate it, go and do you, mm. you know? Yeah, because I think as well, it's a lot to do with pubic hair because there used to be loads of pubic hair and now there's like little or no pubic hair. So you're kind of, you can see everything more. Do you know what I mean? And like that, you know, what is anyone's reference? Like, yeah. do, do you have to go on and look at porn to see like, to see is my vagina normal? Yeah. And their vaginas definitely aren't like, they, they're all surgery. Yeah. Well, maybe up to the eyeballs. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like comparing ourselves to models, which we do, but like yeah. that's their, the reason they're in maybe that industry is because their body is a certain shape and everything looks a certain way. Yeah. And, and like, how do we, but it's hard as women, we're always comparing. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? It's about you and your partner. It's about your self-confidence then. Mm-hmm. So, that's where I come from with any kind of procedures and cosmetic stuff. I'm like, if it makes a woman feel better about herself, yeah, I don't want to judge that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I just don't want women to think they're not not normal. Yeah. I mean, the pubic hair thing's funny. I, I did a really good reel on that. I polled everyone. And the amount of women who were like, disgusted at women who get it all off yeah. and they're like that's like a child yeah, and, yeah. and with laser and you know what like well I'm not going to say what I do but I was like oh like that's a bit much as well like yeah. if someone wants to have it all off yeah they can. I just think you do you, you like know, yeah. if you want a style if you want to grow it all out like just do whatever <laughs> you want to get someone's but, name <laughs> yeah but I was just more like what's the trend yeah. you know like so more funny content what's the trend so I don't mind and, and women coming into us can have loads of hair or no hair I don't care like yeah. I, I look at it like a medical thing I look at like an eyeball mm. of an optician yeah. you know um, but yeah it's funny even the thoughts so with laser now I suppose it's less it's more permanent mm. so after I had my second baby all the hair grew back that's really yeah. annoying you yeah. start all over again but I actually listen to my followers in that I'm only getting like the top part I'm leaving the labia alone and yeah. I'm like I can choose to like shave that mm. or or a hair removal cream, but it's not going to stop it growing back. No. So I kind of was like, oh, now everyone knows I did have it all off. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so I mean by the much. Um, but I kind of, li- I was like, yeah, maybe it's all right. Like maybe when I get older, I won't want that. But yeah. then I'll have had the laser and there's no maybe choice. Yeah. So I'm like, you never want the bits. Everyone's like the spiders out of the the, the swimming oh, tops. Yeah. You no, know what I mean? No, 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 so no. like no one maybe wants that full growth out from under your pants. But yeah. I was like, look, I don't care about the top bit and the legs. I'm going to mm. get that all off. 
off again, yeah. but I'm going to leave the underneath bit so mm. I can just decide to have it on, have it off. Yeah. And what we do know about hair, like in a medical way, hair is there for a reason. Mm. So like hair under your arms helps with sweat. Mm-hmm. So because we all take it off, like that's going to make, can make some of us sweat more. But around your, your vulva, it's actually to stop like not just sweat getting in, but like bacteria. Bacteria, So it's actually there to protect the Mm. area, like nose hair. Like I trim my nose hairs too, right? Oh my God, (laughs) I waxed my nose hair for the first time the other day. No, it's actually not painful. I could not, done it myself, just done a little wax and then I just went one, two, three, boom. Best thing I've ever done. Right. Yeah. I get the tweezers up. Oh like no, no, no. I can't do I can't do that. The waxing actually doesn't okay. hurt as much. Okay. But like nose hair should be there too. But yeah, we're just like, I know. oh, I don't like the look of hair, right? <laughs> but if I'm talking to someone with a nose hair hanging out, I can't stop looking at yeah, it. So. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. So okay, so we'll finish up talking about vaginas, but we will end it off on a on a high note. Um another question that came in a couple of times actually was caring for your vagina. Like, you know, some people are obsessed with smells and scents and then washing, overwashing the vagina. And I suppose it's skin at the end of the day. Um, what's your take on what's safe and what's not safe? Okay, so nothing really that should, should go inside. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, honestly, your vagina is like your your food pipe, your wind pipe, right? Mm-hmm. Your food pipe has food going down. It is self-cleaning. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a real balance, pH balance there of bacteria and fungus. That's why women get like thrush overgrowth. Mm-hmm. You know, if they get take antibiotics, they get thrush because there's too much candida or fungal overgrowth. So we have this lovely pH balance there. If we're using creams or not, like soaps and washes, mm-hmm. it really disturbs that. Mm-hmm. So it could actually make it smell more. Yeah. Or it can make it sore or itchy. And you know what I mean? Mm. Just leave it alone. It has it's a mucous membrane. Like you don't clean up your bum either, you no. know? So our body, like the vagina is self-cleaning, you leave it alone. Mm-hmm. Um, the vulva on the outside, you can clean if you mm-hmm. want, but really using like very specialist organic like yeah. washes that are made for the vulva. Like I like the S organics range, mm-hmm. but we shouldn't just be getting our regular, you know, radox, radox. and lashing it on, yeah. right? So even getting like soap-free soaps and things, yeah. like really gentle ones. But with the smells, it's not actually anything to do with you washing. Mm-hmm. Like if you're sweating loads, there's a sweat issue. You yeah. know, if you've a smell down there, it's usually like your hormones are off, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's not as simple as I'll just wash it and that'll get rid of mm. it, you know? So if you're feeling a bit smelly down there, it's usually a hormone I don't like to use the word imbalance, but it can be, you mm-hmm. know, um, that it's more to do with hormones or I went to the gym and I didn't wash after the gym. Yeah. Like sometimes I have to go and collect the kids after school. It could be hours before I have my yeah. shower. Like that's yeah, exactly. the truth, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, do, like, I don't think there's really a need. Warm water, you know, mm-hmm. warm water with the shower hose down below, mm-hmm. not squirting it up just yeah. around the vulva and then leave it alone. And if there's a smell, there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. So even... There's some nice over-the-counters like pH balancers, like Multigyne is one of the brands and mm-hmm. then Reactagel is another one and you squeeze them up and they're for pH balance. Mm-hmm. So that's not a soap. That's just trying to make sure you get that natural pH. Mm-hmm. So whatever's going on, if, if you're doing anything, if there was a smell there or you're struggling with thrush, even bacterial vaginosis, there's little things you can squirt up that are trying to balance the pH. So help the vagina kind of find its way back to what it normally mm. should be rather than a soap to clean it. Yeah. And I think not wearing too much, you know, tight stuff in the gym. Like if you have like, say, a thong on, you really tight, tight um, leggings on, mm. of course it's going to be a bit funny down there. Like. Yeah. I don't know if that would make it smell. Mm. Like cotton underwear is the best because it's breathable, mm-hmm. you know. And then some women, Debbie, are wearing pads all the time for leak. Yeah. And that kind of affects it because they're 
scented and mm. you can't breathe. You want to get air to it. Yeah. Maybe more of us should be going like commando bed at night just to yeah. let the air get, mm. you know. Feels better as well. Yeah. It does. I do. I swear, I can't. If I have fair pants on, I'm like, no, get them off. Get them I kind of got into the habit of that. Yeah. You know, I must think yeah. about that tonight now. Air. It's, it's nice and airy. Oh, Eva, it has been so nice to talk to you. If someone wants to book a consultation in with you, where do they go? So we are womenshealthdublin.ie and I'm Women's Health Dublin on Instagram and I have two amazing colleagues with me in the clinic too, Debbie, because I work part-time in the hospital so mm-hmm. my list is busy. But my two colleagues, Anne and Helen, are both clinical specialists who are, the three of us are amazing. Brilliant. And we are Dublin North side because everything's always on the south side, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> I was so happy to find you on the north side. I'm like, yeah, north siders. Eva, <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you really enjoyed this episode and make sure to share it with your girls in the group chat. If you want any more information or you have any questions for me, go on to my Instagram at lovebydebs and remember you can book your M Salad session on in the Skin Boutique and you can book that through theskinboutique.ie. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Hold up. 